your Bibles to um, Numbers chapter 13. No, yeah, Numbers chapter 13 would be a good spot to start. But today, but today, today, for those of you that aren't aware, most of you probably are not aware, this is the ninth of Av. And uh, the ninth of Av is when the first temple was destroyed, was when the second temple was destroyed on the same day, and it was also in Numbers chapter 13 when the spies came back with an evil report. I don't know how many other things happened on this day, but those are just a few of the things. That, because, because there's no such thing as a coincidence in the Word of God. There's no word for coincidence in the Hebrew language. So when things happen, they happen on purpose. And, and lots of times God will get the blame for it, you know. But the truth is, whatever bad happens in your life, chances are you might have had a part to play in it. <laughs> What do you think? God, why did you let me, why did you let this happen to me? <laughs> well, what did you do, son, to start it in motion, you know? So so anyway, in Numbers chapter 13, if you want to turn there, we'll find out there's uh, 12 pastors going into the, into, the promise, into the promised land. Now, the idea is this. They chose out 12 pastors, 12 leaders from the tribes and uh, sent them in. But it wasn't God's will. We'll we'll notice that in Deuteronomy chapter 1. They decided they wanted to do it, and Moses thought it was a good idea. But this whole action is like Thomas. If I could just put my fingers in the holes in your hands, if I could just thrust my hand in your side, I'd believe. What they were saying is God promised them this over and over again. They said, if we'll see it, we'll believe it. Let me tell you this. If you don't know this much by now, if you don't see it, in your spirit, which is where you need to see it, to open up the eyes of my understanding. Let them be enlightened that I might know the hope of his calling. You've got to see these things in the spirit before you ever see them in the natural. If you can see them in the spirit, you can have them. Because if you can't see it, you can't envision it, you can't have it. Okay, let's, let's look at these pastors. Twelve of them. Verse 20, it says, and go, he, Moses said, go in and spy out the land, whether it's fat or lean. Well, God already said it was overflowing with milk and honey. It was a good land. It was, it was like when you read Deuteronomy chapter 1, you find out that this land was a land of opulence. This land was the best that the earth has to offer. This land, he said, I'll give you houses that you didn't build, vineyards that you didn't plant. He's saying, all you got to do, all you need to do is believe me. Believe me for rapid death cancellation. Believe me for the prosperity that I want to lay on you. Beloved, I pray above all else that you will prosper. Like, like what, what does that mean? What do you think that means? Beloved, I pray about ev- above everything else that you'll prosper. Gee, I want, could you give me that in the Greek? I pray that you'll prosper and that you'll be in health, even as your soul prospers. He wants you healthy today. The same blood that he was shed for your redemption was also shed for your healing, for your prosperity, all of those things. But, But again, you need to lay hold of it. That's why he said in Psalm 91, he said, he said, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Okay, I like that. But what's my part to play? I will say of the Lord. Okay, I have a part to play. I will say of the Lord. What am I going to say? 
See, because I know people that soldiers that carried when they were over in, in the Gulf, I saw some of the, the 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 things that they carried in their pockets. Psalm ninety one, but Psalm ninety one only act only works. It does. It's not some magical thing like that you carry in your pocket. I will say of the Lord, how often, all day, every day, I'll say of the Lord, Lord, you're my refuge. Lord, you're my fortress. Lord, you're my God in whom I will trust. Surely you will deliver me. And so on, he goes on. But he tells, he says, this, this, my part, his part is the promise. My part is to believe it by speaking it out. It's like he said in Mark eleven twenty three. 23, whoever will say to this mountain, be thou removed, this circumstance, be thou removed, and cast into the sea, and don't do it in your heart, but believe the things that you say will come to pass, that man will have whatsoever he saith. You, you get what you say, so stop saying what you have. No, but that's why he said in Romans 4, 17, Abraham called those things that were not as though they were. Abraham believed God. 21, Romans 4, 21 says he became fully persuaded. That's faith. Fully persuaded that what God had promised, he this is the beautiful part I like about this. He'd perform it. When I, try, when I try to perform it, it doesn't work. But when I stop and let him go, when I stop and get out of the way and actually just, my job is just to believe him. I'm not the performer. I'm the believer. How do I believe? By saying. Three times he said, say to this circumstance. Say, believe what you say. And he only said, believe once. That means I need to be talking the word of God. Instead of talking doubt and unbelief and fear like the world is. Can you say amen? amen. Or oh me. Whatever works. <laughs> but, but now in verse 20 he says, go and check out the land and be of good courage. And I, how many times he said this to Joshua as well? I think seven or eight times. Starting in Deuteronomy and right through chapter 1. But the whole deal here about courage is it's not the absence of fear. It's how you overcome fear. How, how many of you know that fear will, fear will come against you? How do I attack fear? I say of the Lord, you're my refuge, you're my fortress. Joshua, if you'll meditate my word, mutter and utter and speak my word day and night, if you'll just focus on my word and not your circumstances, you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. The onus is on me. All the promises are there. He said in 2 Peter 1, 4, I've given you exceeding great and precious promises that you might partake of my divine nature and escape the corruption that's in the world through lust. So, so I can escape. I can go through the exit sign. Matter of fact, the book of Exodus, it just means that. It means the road out. Ex hudos, the road out. He said, I'll show you the road out, but, but again, just because the jail cell door is open, how many people do you know that are still locked up in alcohol and drug problems and all kinds of stuff because they don't know the door's open? <laughs> it's amazing to me. Amazing to me. Okay, uh, I need to get somewhere here in chapter 13. So how about verse... 
Now, we also need to understand that when they spied out the land for 40 days, they weren't in there with binoculars. They were in there walking around with all the people. How do I know that? Because they picked up how big were the grapes. If one cluster of grapes had to be carried between two men on a staff. I don't know what it's like over there now, but I have seen radishes this big. (laughs) Like, you know, like it's crazy. But back then, can you imagine? Because why? Because everything that God had promised them was already sitting there waiting for them. All they had to do, all you, all you have to do, take it. All you have to do is enter in to make those promises exceeding great. Make them precious and trust him. This whole book is about, will you trust me? Will you believe me in spite of what you see? What if there's giants in the land? What, the, what if the political system is all against you? What if the government is passing rules of, you know, global warming? <laughs> Another way to, their excuse for killing off millions of people is what their goal is. Got to lower the population, lower the, the footprint, the carbon footprint, so if we can get rid of a few million people, we'll be all right. I had somebody tell me that the other day. Somebody, a, a business person, said, God really, no, he didn't say God. He said, the government really needs to reduce the population by millions of people just so that the rest of us can live. And I wanted to say, well, who's going to choose who, who goes and who stays? What if, what if you're on the other list there, buddy? <laughs> Verse 23, it says, they came to the brook Eshkol and cut down from there a branch, one cluster of grapes, and they carried it between two men on a staff. They also had pomegranates and figs and all kinds of things that they gathered up there. So they were going in there and filling up. They were going in and, like pastors should, go in and bring out the promises and show them to you. That's really what the book of Deuteronomy is, is a picture of a land of opulence. And so if you can picture it, if you can picture it, you can have it. What you can see, you can seize, right? So, so they came out with all the pomegranates and figs. In verse 25, and they returned from searching out the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and Aaron and to the whole congregation of the children of Israel from the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto the all, all the congregation and showed them everything that God had promised was there. Everything everything was going well until you get to the next verse. Nevertheless, verse 28. Nevertheless, the people are strong, and the cities are great, and the children of Anak are there. What did that have to do with anything? What did that have to do with anything? You know, uh, he said to the church, fear not, little flock. In the summertime, it's even smaller. "Fear Fear not, little flock. It's God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Even with Gideon, think about Gideon. He started out with 32,000. God said, you got too many. Finally, when he got down to 300, he said, there now, now I'll get the glory and and Gideon, you won't. Right? (laughs) So he reduced him down. Nevertheless, the people are strong. And of course, we know that Caleb went and encouraged the people and everything, but they're ready to stone him. (laughs) Because negative people always seek to gather information to support their, what, what they believe. So don't be one of those. Don't be a negative person. 
And again, ants, automatic negative thoughts. But look at verse 32. This is what happens when you discourage people. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the land of Israel, saying the land that we went through to search, it's a land that eats up the inhabitants there. Well, nobody ate them while they were walking around in there. We saw giants there, and, but here was the problem. We were grasshoppers in our own sight. And I always said this about that. Started to write a book about it, never finished it. But until you kill the grasshopper, you can never kill the giant. David obviously killed the grasshopper when he ran into Goliath. He said, I already dealt with a lion and a bear. So this uncircumcised, this uncircumcised, in other words, this man has no covenant, and I've got a covenant keeping God. I don't have anything to fear. You got nothing to fear. You're in covenant with God. You need to fly over hell on a rope and spit in the devil's eye. Yeah. But now look in verse uh, chapter 14 to verse, verse 4. Ten of the pastors said, let's go back to Egypt. Well, we're living in a day when many of them have. Verse 7, and they spoke unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, oh, no, this is kidding. Let's drop down to verse um, 9. I don't want to read the whole story here because we don't have enough time today. Well, okay. Drop a ribbon there, and we're coming back here. But I need to take you over to Hebrews chapter 3. Now again, we read in chapter 13 that God called their report an evil report. Negativity is evil. Why? Because anything that is not of faith is sin. I don't sin. Well, that's what, thank God for, he, for 1 John 1, 9. If you don't cash it in every day. I've been saved for over 40 years, and I use it on a regular basis. Thank you, Lord. I want to stay current with you. Forgive me for anything I've done against you in negative thought, word, or deed, so that I can have a fresh start again. His mercies are new every morning, and I like that. That doesn't mean I'm deliberate and doing things wrong, but, you know, it's just natural. And that's exactly what it is, natural. But Hebrews 3 and verse 12 says this. Take heed, brethren. Now, this is to the church. So who's this for? This is me. This is you. Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart. Look at this. An evil heart of unbelief. You mean when I don't believe? Yeah, he wants you to trust him. If you don't trust him right now, get a hold of his word and get it in you until you do. Do what Abraham did in Romans 4.21. He said, I became fully persuaded. He said, I'm 100 years old. My wife is 90, and it's impossible. Menopause happened a long time ago for her. But I believe God, that what he promised, he'll perform. He realized he couldn't perform it in his own flesh. There wasn't enough Viagra in the world to make that happen, you know. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any one of you an evil heart of unbelief departing. See, unbelief will depart you from the living God. Unbelief is just a form of atheism. Unbelief is just like, well, you know, I, I, I just don't believe that. Unless I can see it, Thomas said, I won't believe it. 
Well, again, if you don't see it in the Spirit, it's not going to happen in your life. Let's go to chapter 4 and verse 1. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left of entering into his rest, that any of us should fall short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as it was unto them. You can read about it in Corinthians chapter 10. The same gospel was preached unto them. But why didn't it work? The word preached to them did not profit them because they did not mix it with faith. They didn't put faith in what they heard. They put faith in what they saw. I said they didn't put faith in what they heard. They put faith in what they saw. That's why social media and some of the things that are out there today, <laughs> just, just forget it. Just get away from it. It's not good for you. And believe in the media. I mean, come on. They can't even get a weather report right. Why would you believe? Besides that, you don't know the whole thing. You don't know what's going on in in uh, in the other nations. You don't know what's going on in Iran and Iraq, and you certainly don't know what's going on with Putin and Ukraine. All you know is what they told you. <laughs> All you know is what they told you. Oh, guess what's going on over there? I'll tell you something that's going on in the earth right now. There's more earthquakes right now than there's ever been every single day. More disasters. Did you know that Death Valley, Arizona, we've been down through there on our motorcycles. It's driest place on earth to get an inch of rain every couple of years or something. It flooded twice last week. Flooded out and people got stranded in Death Valley because of water. Are you kidding me? The signs are everywhere. Is God doing that? No. You know, like, like, you know, they said that must be God judging Louisiana when Katrina hit. Well, how come the French Quarter escaped if it was, it was the judgment of God? No, man brings this on himself. Man does it, not God. When God starts to judge the earth, you won't have to wonder, is this him? Anyway, uh, okay, back in Numbers chapter 14. I like verse 10 because this guy's been a pastor before. And all the congregation said, stone him with stones. And the glory of God appeared in the tabernacle congregation for all the God of Israel. <laughs> Pastor Dramatic Stress Disorder. <laughs> That's all that is. And God said, I'm going to wipe them out. I'll smite them with pestilence and I'll start, I'll start over fresh with you, Moses. But thank you, God, that Moses talked them back from that. He walked them back from that. And, and talked them out of it. But, you know, you need to ask yourself, what am I missing because of my negative attitude? What am I missing? You're missing all the promises of God with a negative attitude. And the problem is, lots of times, we, we defend our dysfunction rather than receiving correction. You know, God spoke this to me yesterday, or no, this morning, I think. He said, pride is really subverting the will of God for your own will. Submitting, perverting, or perverting or his purpose to advance your own. You know, and so you need to stay away from those kind of things. 
But, but okay, so, but look at this in verse 21. I wasn't going to stop there, but let's stop there. In verse 21 in Numbers 14, the Lord said, as truly as if this was his plan for them. But he said, as truly as I live, my glory will cover the earth as the, as the waters cover the sea. My glory will cover the earth. It'll be filled with my glory. And what I've noticed is, you can read this in Second Chronicles chapter 5, You'll find that when the pattern is right, when the pattern is right, the glory falls. When we get the pattern right, it doesn't matter how many people are in the building. If we'll get the pattern right, the glory will fall. What does it mean to get the pattern right? To, to humble yourself, to receive from the Lord. God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. To be humble enough to, to be teachable, come on, to receive correction instead of defending your dysfunction, if you will. So, but here in verse 28, I wanted to see this too. He said, as, have you, as you have spoken in my ears, so I'll do unto you. In other words, he's saying, okay, everybody, starting today, if you never figured it out before, it's all up to you. All the promises are there. Every, everything has to be worked out, walked out is there. All you need to do is believe him and he'll perform what you believe. Yep. So what he's saying here is, he said, but think about it. He said, okay, I'm going to let you walk yourself to death. I'll just let you walk yourself to death. And he'd be saying, oh, God, help me, help me, help me. No, do what I say. Why? Because in verse 29, it says, you murmured against me. He hears what you say in the bedroom. He hears what you say in your house. He hears what you say in your car. He hears everything. And you don't realize it when you're complaining. You're not complaining. If you're not complaining about a church or a minister, then you're complaining about somebody that's created in the image and the likeness of God. And, you know, he, he, that's why he said in James chapter 3, he said, out of the same fountain comes bitter water and sweet. Brethren, it ought not to be so. He said, with the one... And we bless God, and with the other one, we curse man. So get the curse and put it in reverse. Amen? 14.30 says this, Doubtless, you'll not come into the land. I wrote this because doubt makes you the center of your belief system. It's prideful, and it mocks God. It multiplies your fear and divides your attention, and steals your joy. Some hard to be filled with joy when you're off in a critical place, isn't it? Yep. Let's, let's go back. Okay, let's move over a few pages then to chapter 1 of Deuteronomy. Now, Deuteronomy is Debar or Devarim. And Devar is, remember if you ever heard of Creedence Clearwater Revival had a song many, many years ago. Oh, Lord, stuck in Lodi again. And, and Lodi, Lodabar is no, that's, matter of fact, that's where, that's where uh, Mephibosheth ended up. In Samuel chapter 9, it says that he was over in a place called Lodabar. Lo is no, and Debar is word. So he was in a place where there was no word. And that's why, that's why David had to send and get him. He said, I need to show Hesed unto Jonathan on Jonathan's son. So he went 
and got, brought him back with covenant kindness out of the place where there was no word and said, come and sit at my table. It's the type of Psalm 23. He said, come and sit at my table and feed there continuously. And Mephibosheth means shameful things. So I don't care what kind of shame you were in. It's only because you don't have, if you're in shame, it's because you got no word. If you receive his word, shame will leave you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So, so Devarim, of course, Devarim's singular, Devarim is plural. And it's like he's saying, I'm, uh, it's called the Mishnah Torah. I'm going to give you the word of God again. He said, and the teaching that I'm going to give you is most relevant for a new life in a new land. It was written up to you to produce strong faith and self-discipline to avoid the snares of the pagan neighbors that you were living against and to avoid false prophets. Well, false prophets. I don't need to get on that, but it's going to happen in June. No, now it's going to happen in July. Now it's going to happen in August. Glory to God. Why don't they just go shut up somewhere? Nothing personal, but I don't really care what they have to say anyway. I can read, I can read tomorrow's newspaper just by reading Matthew 24. When he says it's like the days of Noah, all I have to do is look around. I can see it everywhere. So this book, this book is to renew your mind and to paint a word picture. It paints a word picture of the best that this world has to offer. And if you'll get the picture, God is saying, this is what I want to do with you. This is why I wrote Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. He said, you know, trust our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. What did Jesus do when he came? He went about preaching the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. He said, he said my kingdom will, needs to be done on earth, not in heaven, not as it is in heaven. I need to demonstrate it on earth so that I can win the lost. I need to demonstrate it in you. I need to demonstrate it through you. All I need to do is get you to go to Psalm 91 and some other places and start saying some stuff about yourself. <laughs> Instead of feeling guilty and ashamed and inferior, the whole thing that kept them out of that promised land, they had inferiority. They said everybody else is greater than us. But we're, they're giants and we're like, we're like grasshoppers. You ain't no grasshopper. The lion of the tribe of Judah lives in you. The lion of the tribe lives in you. He might have came as a lamb sacrificed, but he's coming back as a lion. Hallelujah. And he's coming back in and through you. Anyway, so let's pick up somewhere here in Deuteronomy chapter 1. Okay, verse 21 is a good spot. He said, Behold the Lord, this is Deuteronomy 1.21, Devarim, painting a picture of a land of opulence, painting a picture of a place that God wants you to live, a place where you didn't build the houses, a place that you didn't plant the vineyards, that it's all freely given to you, freely given to you, expect it. Yeah, but what do I have to do? Nothing. What you have to do is believe him. If you could have done it, you'd be out there working three jobs trying to make it happen. And that's the problem. We've been doing those kind of things instead of just, I am fully persuaded that what God has promised, exceeding great and precious promises, he, is the, he will perform it. He is the performer 
My job is to believe him. My job is to believe him when it doesn't even look like it. Because in this world, I'll have tribulation. In this world, he said, he said, in me, you'll have peace. He started, he said, in me, you'll have peace. Start there. But he said, in the world, you have tribulation. But don't get in the world, get in peace. Why? Because he said, I've overcome the world. He said, I already defeated. Come on. Uh, where is it? Uh, chapter 3 and verse 8. Chapter 3 and verse 8. Third John, first John, I think. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the devil. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the devil. Well, how can I make a change in my own life? Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 will tell you how to do that. If you are risen with Christ, and you are, set your intelligence on the things that are above and not the things of the earth. Because he said, you're dead and your life is here with Christ and God. And when Christ who is your life shall appear, you'll also appear with him in the glory. He's saying, change your focus. If you're risen with Christ, seek those things that are above where Christ sits. Set your intelligence on the things that are above and not the things of the earth. Anyway, back here in chapter Deuteronomy, chapter 1 and verse 21. The Lord has set the land before you. And, and you can read this to yourself and say, this, this is me right now. He said, it's all there in front of you. If you don't see the giants... If you don't see all the obstacles, if you don't see, well, gasoline is too high and this is too high and that is too high, you know, the only reason you get upset about the price of gasoline ought to be because righteousness is rubbing against unrighteousness. Because he supplies all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You should be irritated, all right, but you're irritated because of what the devil's doing to humans. Not to me, not to you, because I don't live in this economy. My Bible tells me in Ephesians 1 to verse 3 that I've been already blessed with all the spiritual blessings in the heavenlies in Christ. I'm living in the heavenlies in Christ. I'm living in another realm. Hallelujah. <laughs> Somebody said, yeah, you look like it too. Okay, that's good. <laughs> so anyway, he said, fear not, neither be discouraged. And they came near on. Here, here's where they made their big mistake. You came near unto me, every one of you, and said, we will send men before us, and they will search out the land. In other words, we don't believe you. And bring us word again, what, what we must go, whether we must go up and into what cities we shall come. And look at this. And Moses said, and the saying pleased me well. And I took 12 men, 12 pastors from each tribe, one pastor from each tribe. And off they went. But in verse 26... Verse 25, they brought the report back. Verse 25, the last part of the verse. It's a good land, just like the Lord said to us. Verse 26, notwithstanding, you would not go up, but rebelled against the, comm the commandment. It wasn't a request. How many of you know God has not had it? He doesn't have requests. He has commandments. You know, he wrote 10 in, in Exodus chapter 20. And they didn't go away. Your way of attaining righteousness has changed. But the Ten Commandments have not changed. He said, I'll write them on the write my law in your heart. Right. He said, uh, he said, it was written in stone, I'm gonna write it in your heart, but the rules haven't changed. I said, I said the rules haven't changed. 
just how you attain righteousness is what, what he changed. He said, I didn't come to throw out the law. I came to fulfill the law. The law has been fulfilled in me. Amen? You would not go up, he said, but you rebelled against the commandment of the Lord, and you murmured. Here we go. You murmured in your apartment. You murmured in your, murmured in your house. You murmured in your car. You complained about the price of gasoline. You complained about the price of food. You complained about this, and you complained about that. And then you couldn't find enough people to complain about, so you called somebody on your cell. Hey, did you see the price of fuel today? I just went in the grocery store and guess how much I had to pay for a pound of hamburger. Blah, blah. I know. I know that you need to keep your mouth shut. I said you need to keep your mouth shut. If you want the blessing of God to operate in your life, you need to keep your mouth shut. Because whether you like it or not, you're complaining against God. You're saying he can't provide for me. Verse 32. He said, yet in this thing, you did not believe the Lord your God. And that's the whole problem right there. And that's your problem. <laughs> don't, don't amen me. I wasn't looking for an amen. <laughs> Let's go to Romans 10, 9 and 10. Verse 9, he said, if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart, not in your head. That's why the little sinner's prayer thing that people say at the front of a church doesn't usually work. Well, they said the magic words. No, they're not magic words. If it doesn't come out of your heart, it's just a waste of your breath. Well, they made the confession. Well, did their life change? Well, no, but, no, but they confessed the word, and that's all they had to do. Oh, Really? That's what my Bible says. That's what you say, but that's not what God says. You're saying once saved, always saved. Well, maybe so. But I know what. Anyway, let, I don't know. Don't even go there, Gary. Okay. Confessing with you, confess Jesus as Lord from your heart. Because not from your head, but from your heart, a man believes to righteousness. So what makes me righteous? We understand Romans 1, 16 and 17. He said, he said uh, the, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew and also to the Greek. For herein, in here, is the righteousness of God revealed. Righteousness comes by revelation, not by action. And so, matter of fact, that's why he said in Romans 5, 17, receive the gift of righteousness. It's a free gift. You just take it. Why? Because he, God made him to be sin. He knew no sin. That you could be the righteousness of God in him. So you're as righteous today as you'll ever be. It doesn't matter how much your conduct changes. Your righteousness is still there. All you need to do to stay with current, and go, current with God in fellowship and relationship with God is First John 1, 9. Lord, I blew it again today. But I like, I like what... Uh, uh, Brother Lawrence in the 1600s wrote a book, and he said, uh, he said, God, I, I screwed up today. Th this is modern English. He's King James English big time. He said, and if you don't do anything, I'm going to do it again tomorrow. Yeah. No, but he realized anything else is just religion. Anything else isn't going to change me. It never worked up until now. All it did was frustrate you. All it did was 
I'm hopeless. I'm hopeless. There's nothing I can do to change. When you say there's nothing you can do to change, stop there and, and say, and that's the truth. <laughs> that's the truth. You can't change you. But he said in 2 Corinthians 3.18 that you'll be changed from glory to glory into my image and into my likeness when you let the Spirit of the Lord have liberty in your life, when you allow him to come and make the changes. When you put his word in, he said in John 6.63, my words are spirit, my words are life. You put life into your life. You put life in. Why? Because the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is, this, this is, this is God. This is Jesus in book form. I wish I could see him. Well, pick the book up. What does he look like? He looks like you. You're created in his image and his likeness, and he put the heavens and the earth together with a, a nine-inch span, so he's about six feet tall. He's not some big guy sitting on a stone throne somewhere at Wooly here waiting to get you. In book, I, I know in the book of Revelation it says hair like wool, but it's talking about his righteousness. It's not talking about old man river. He said, if you'll confess the Lord and believe the Lord, confession is made into salvation. And salvation is the word soteria or sozo. And salvation means what he said in Psalm 103. You forgive all of my iniquities, and you heal all of my diseases, and you deliver my life from destruction, and, you, and, and tender mercy, and you satisfy my mouth with good. That's, that's covenant. That's what he said in Colossians, Colossians 1. He said, I delivered you. I delivered you out of the authority of darkness. Anything to do with the devil you've been delivered from and transferred you into the kingdom of my son, in whom you have redemption through my blood, even the forgiveness of sin. I came to redeem you, to buy you back. And so you're free, you're free to receive every promise that's in his book. How do you get it? The same way you get it in Psalm 91. If you need healing, well, confess healing. How long? Until it manifests. But the moment you start to confess it, believe you receive it. Don't wait and say, well, it took so long. As soon as you say it's taken too long, you're out of faith again. Right out of faith. Say, God, no, I receive now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now th the evidence of things not seen. Right now. I've caught myself many times going through what I've been going through and saying, Lord, it seems to take so long. It's like the Lord saying, why don't you shut up over that? <laughs> Believe you receive it now and it won't take so long. You got it now. And no, don't say, yeah, but I'm waiting on the manifestation. Don't say that either. Get your faith on something else. Once you, get the, once you receive it in your heart, get your faith on something else. Yeah. So whatever you confess, see, this is how the whole thing works. You confess, you believe. You confess, you receive. Look at verse 11. The Scripture says, the Scripture says this, Whosoever believeth on me, shall not be disappointed. Whoever believes in me will not be disappointed. Hallelujah. Well, just a couple more verses. you got time for a couple more verses. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 18. We'll look at something called the law of confession. God does everything through laws. I mean, you look at 
Leviticus chapter 23, and you find out he does everything by appointed times, anything of value. He's got appointed seasons. Moedim, Moed is appointment. Moedim is appointed times. He's got those things that he does. And there's, he put laws of physics and laws of gravity, law, all those laws in place. He even said the universe is stretched out like a garment, and they found out recently that you can stretch it out. Like it's like, God wrote that, and I think back in Isaiah chapter 40, it's like a, back then you think about what he said. He said, the Lord sits upon the circle of the earth. I think that's Isaiah 40 or 41. Columbus read that and said, look, it's round. When everybody else said it was flat or square, he found it in the word of God. And he said, well, I know God's word is true. And so he sailed out. Amen. Okay, anyway, Psalm, Psalm, Proverbs 18, the law of confession, verses 20 and 21. This is the Gary Hooper version, okay? A man's life will be filled with the fruit of his mouth, and with the consequences of his lips, his words, must he be satisfied whether they're good or bad. I'll read that again. A man's life will be filled with the fruit of his mouth. With the consequences of his words, shall he be satisfied, whether they're good or bad. Why? Because whatever you speak, see, because you're created a speaking spirit, whatever you speak to creates life with. That's why if you keep talking about problems, they don't ever go away. You keep giving them life. You keep watering them. Nancy went in my office today and realized the plants didn't want water in a while. Duh, I didn't look. <laughs> But, but if she had not watered them, I'd have never had to think about watering them again. Right? Yeah, but think about that principle because he said in Genesis 8.22, as long as the earth remains, summer and winter, cold and heat, day and night, seed time and harvest time will not cease. And in Amos 9, he said, we're living in the generation where the plowman will overtake the reaper. You'll sow some money into the, into the kingdom of God, and before you get home, it'll be in your bank account. No, but you need to expect that. We get what we expect. And so, you know, speaking to your problems only energizes and strengthens them. You don't want to be doing that. You want to, you want to speak Ephesians 1, 3, so God, thank you. I'm already blessed with all of the spiritual blessings in the heavenlies, in Christ. I can't even tell. That's why he would say things like, time for one more thing. In Colossians chapter 3 again, he goes through all the things that you're doing wrong. And there's a list. Then he gets to verse 12 and he says, wherefore, holy and beloved. He calls you holy and beloved. And then he'll say things like, forbearing with one another and forgiving one another even as Christ forgave, forgive you. And then he said, you're called, this is the, the key part I want you to look at today. You've been called to one body, and you're thankful. And then he's going to tell you how to speak when you're home in your tent. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and making melody in your hearts unto the Lord. And whatever you do in word or do it in deed, you do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father by him. That's why if you work somewhere and you can't wait till Friday, you're not committed to that job. And God says, if you'll commit yourself, I'll bless you there. 
How did you get that out of that? He said, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, make melody in your hearts unto the Lord. Whatever you do in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord. So what am I supposed to do when I'm at work? Wait for Friday? No, do it as unto the Lord. You're working for God. You're not working for some company. You But he said, these are the things that we need to remember, and we need to be happy about it. Speak to yourself in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs. You don't even have to sing right. I had a friend, Grant Damone, he's a bodybuilder, used to come to church with me over in Christianville in Halifax. When he would start to sing the whole row, it would just go off. It was like, he sounded like a wounded cow. That, That Herb Albert song, Lonely Bull or something. <laughs> his son would move away from him. Get me away from this guy. But that's not, But you can do whatever you want at home. That's what I'm saying. Make melody in your heart unto the Lord. Maybe you should keep your mouth shut. I don't know. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. My assignment for this week, speak to myself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And make melody in my heart unto the Lord. And whatever I do in word or deed, I'm going to give it my best because I'm doing it for God, not for man. Amen. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.